Noon straight up aggression for you here on Boston and New England Sports Original WEEI. The big news is in Ben McAdoo. Woo woo on Ben McAdoo. Here we go. He is in, baby. Uh, joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is our guy Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lepresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern, a 1-800-GET-HAIR, by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. We go to the Harbor One Hotline for Tom Curran. Tom, good morning where you are. Hey, what's up, buddy? I am in the Luxor. I'm Ooh. working on my plan for uh, quick slants this evening. It's 6 p.m., Live from the Super Bowl, we'll have Kendrick wow, Bourne the on. The wow, the They they still have that big little light that comes out of the top of it. Yeah. Is it still like real gimmicky with uh, right? Still the same stuff. I think a lot of stuff's gimmicky out here, but <laughs> I've actually not been outside the building since I got here. Um, really, Sunday night? Yeah, you just come in. It's late. I got in like late Sunday night. <clears throat> slept, went down the media joint. Started working with a little tuckered, had a steak with Phil last night, a nice ribeye, and then uh, retired. And now I'm getting work on, uh, getting to work on quick slants. I got to get outside though. You some, yeah, I heard the weather's crappy there though. No, yeah, I'm just looking. See, they actually decorated the Luxor like a Dorito because it's a pyramid. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I saw that. So Great brand. Yeah. <laughs> They open the curtains here, and you're actually, because it's a triangle, it's a slanted ceiling, so I would be looking at the sun, but there's Dorito all over the place. I'll send a picture. All right, good. There's, there's hey, tape all over it. Tommy, can you now, you've been covering the, I mean, good grief, you've been covering, we've been covering the NFL in one way, shape, or form since the, the late 90s. Fourier played yeah. in the league, for God's sakes. I can't believe we're sitting here in the year of our Lord, 2024, talking about a Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, Nevada, considering like six years ago, Roger Goodell, it would have been over his cold, dead body that there would have been a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, it feels like. Yeah, and it's funny because now I think that it's happening and the amount of money and influence and just hand over fists dollar collecting that's able to go on by the owners um, made it too obviously lucrative to, to turn your nose up to, but whether it's small scale like Kayshawn Booty or whether it's going to be larger scale with officials, et cetera, and the, the league itself having to deal with the conversation about, well, you have to be completely beyond reproach and there's far too many questionable calls. How are you going to fix that? They are now dancing with the devil that they <laughs> wanted to avoid. Yeah, it's so funny, though. Like, that's exactly what's happening. And I just think it's a little comical. I'm curious, though. I know you haven't been out of the room, but every single year when the, when the, when a new host city gets the Super Bowl, there's always this, hey, this place sucked. Uh, you know, everything was too far away. Mm -hmm. The traffic was horrible. You couldn't walk anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I know you haven't really been anywhere, but, I mean, what's the general kind of vibe out there in Vegas as far as how easy it is and how accessible things are? I think it's a little more electric because I have been out of my room because, believe it or not, everything is in the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Allegiant Stadium is just steps away from there. Um, so I've gone to the media center, and that, believe it or not, even though the Luxor is attached to Mandalay Bay, it's still a 25-minute friggin' walk to get there because this place is so big, but there is convenience. I mean, if I can do my job right 
do television shows, do podcasts, get everybody the information they need and never leave my building, there is an upside to that because I'm not here as a tourist and as a, as a fan. So I'm just trying to provide stuff for people. But I think it's going to be a good experience overall for people. You know, I'm going to go to Top Golf three nights in a row. So, that's, uh, you know, I'm giddy. Way to giddy. get out. Way to get out and see the city. Okay. Wait. What are you, what are we doing? Hold on. I'm gonna, I want no. I'm going to defend Tom Curran on this Ugh. end. Going to Top Golf three times versus playing one round of golf at the course that is not far from the Luxor. He's saving money going to Top Golf. Is Top Golf code for some bucks at the Valley High? Yeah, five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollar tee time. Yep, and and that's no cart. Or like any of that, uh, yeah, that's it's unbelievable. Everything is jacked up down there now. The golf course rates are insane anyway, especially on the strip. I can only imagine, Tommy, what the wind course is like this week out there. Good lord, it's a beautiful track, but it's probably seven fifty to but play. But it's it. freezing out there. Eh, it doesn't matter if you're a golfer, it's, right, it's Tom? It's winter. It's high desert. Like it's not like it's. People think you're in Arizona. You're not. It gets really freaking cold there. It snows there. I don't know. That's why I haven't been out. Hmm. Yeah, Tommy. Oh, we have a picture. We have a picture of your uh, your oh, hotel. Oh, the Dorito. That's unbelievable. Uh, that is really well done. I gotta say, if there's one thing that the NFL gets right, it's being able to just pimp out all the people that spend money with them. Uh, Tommy uh, Ben McAdoo. Uh, I know the announcement uh, just came out. A couple different people reported it. Maybe not official, official, but it looks like Ben McAdoo is coming in. Uh, Fourier and I were kind of talking about it. I think Van Pelt is going to be the guy who's going to be the OC and I would think coaching the quarterbacks. How do you see McAdoo kind of fitting in here? Do you have an idea as to maybe what role he might take on? I think it's going to be excellent if they draft a quarterback, which I'm still a little dubious that that's the right direction to go, but we can discuss that too. But you need somebody to backstop the quarterback position if you have Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whoever you have in that spot as a rookie for his development. Because if you have, say, a Jacoby Brissett or veteran X who needs to learn the system himself, you can't split your time as the offensive coordinator shepherding along whoever your quarterback that is newly drafted is. And that's always the way it's been. You know, I've talked to McDaniels in the past and, and, and other coaches, and they'll say, look, I spend all my time with the starter. It's the quarterback's coach who's in charge of the development. And that's oversimplifying, but they don't have time to develop the younger guys. So that would be a Ben McAdoo role, I presume. And I think certainly people, you know, oh, Ben McAdoo sucked with the Giants. How are you? you have to remember, and this is so much worth reminding, this is a 4-13 and team that is the worst offense in football right now personnel wise they are less than an expansion team because they don't have an expansion draft to benefit from so as a result yeah you got ben mcadoo to coach the three guys who are starting level players david andrews Ramondre stevenson and maybe demario douglas you're not going to attract people necessarily to this team the way they are right now so you get what you get and you don't get upset Ooh, okay well, okay. You get let, that logic. I mean, you can't just go around swinging and go, we're the Patriots. Give us David Cutcliffe. I don't know. That's the first well, name that e- came to me. But even the, uh, like, so you really have to look at this coaching staff, and I don't know what approach you're taking, but getting upset and angry about Alex Van Pelt or Ben McAdoo seems a little premature when you don't know what really anything's going to look like or, or how they're going to work together. It's going to be a while before you really kind of have an idea, right? 
hundred percent. And I just think that there's a knee jerk smarminess that goes on with whatever they decide to do is going to suck. And I think people will say, Oh, Curran, you hate it. I also thought that what they did last off season was going to work. I generally believe that the people know what they're doing until I'm proven wrong. And I thought that Bill O'Brien being added to work with Mac Jones would work. I thought that their assemblage of offensive players might not be great in the individual, but would work together. It didn't happen. I so think, it sucked. I think, but I, I look at this. I'm sorry, Gretch. I'll just say, I think that you look at it and say, this is what you got. Don't be knee-jerk smarmy about it. Figure out what might work with an Alex Van Pelt. Because I kind of like that move more than Nick Cayley, right, Gresh? If you hire Nick Cayley, now you have three rookie coordinators. You loving that? Well, no, not at all. And and my response to the whole why are people reacting the way they are is because there was no plan. And I think if it was, hey, Alex Van Pelt is an OC that what, that Gerard Mayo's kept an eye on or whatever, or hey, I think the Patriots were lucky that guy walked through the door because they were about to Mm -hmm. hand it to somebody just because they knew who they were. I mocked Ben McAdoo a little bit because ever since the Giants, it's been kind of metz metz as to what he's done. But if I knew this was a part of an orchestrated plan, not praying to God certain people walk through the door, I would probably be able to jump on board or maybe not be snark snarkington about it because it feels like... There is no plan, and we're hoping and wishing that we just have enough bodies to get us through a year. Why do you say, and this is, I'm just shooting the boot sure. like you and me said, why do you think there is no plan? I have an answer, but I'm curious. Why do you think it seems a little flying by the seat of your pants? Because it feels, it, it feels like there was no definitive opinion in the mind of Gerard Mayo as to what he wanted to do on offense. And right, and so he's had a, and he's had a year at least to be able to think about it, and the organization knew he didn't have a ton of tentacles on the offensive side, and some of the people that they brought in, it was uh, ooh tight jeans McVeigh guy, great, who ultimately I, either left or isn't qualified. I look at it this way: he didn't have a year. He didn't know he had a year because nobody on the planet, the Patriots included, thought that the team was going to go four and thirteen. So Gerard was just wondering, okay, where am I going to go? What's my next job? I don't want to go someplace else, but am I going to have a role here, or what am I doing? Uh, we'll sign you. Okay, good. I'm back to coaching defense. Nobody foresaw 4-13. and 13. But when 4-13 and 13 unfolded, or when 2-8 and eight came to reality, or 2-10 and 10 as it actually, I think, got to, the Patriots said, okay, well, <clears throat> our plan is we can't have Bill in charge. So the first step of the plan was when they arrived at in October, November, and said, we're not going to continue doing this. That's why I think you got to remember, nobody, including the people in Foxborough, expected to be doing this now. So the biggest part of the rebuild was tearing out the, the, the tree that gave cover to every, and really fostered everything around it. <laughs> um, to use a metaphor. So you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not excusing it. I'm not excusing the way it looks, but I do think that there is a reason for the way it looks, and that's because nobody expected to be here in early 2024. Okay, so um, I'm curious if you've heard the the sound or heard anywhere about the Boomer Sison quote about Bill didn't, uh, that, that Bill didn't lose the job in Atlanta. He actually turned it down. Have you heard that? No. 
Yeah, so Boomer Sion, um, I think it was either this morning or yesterday on his radio show, uh, talked about how he heard from one of his reliable sources that uh, Arthur Blank um, offered him the job, but he turned it down. Yeah, I mean, what are the parameters of the job that he turned down, though? Mm-hmm. For instance. You know, Rich McKay is still working here, Bill, and Terry's still here, and my friend Mr. Beatles is still here. So we definitely would love to hire you, but those are the circumstances. No, thank you. Then I could see that. It just wasn't a fit. I, I just don't think that Bill looked at that team and that opportunity with no other opportunity out there, and they said, you can do whatever you want here. He goes, nah, I don't want to work with you guys. So I'm sure that there were details that, he wasn't comfortable with. If you come in, then you'll have to do this. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me that. Do you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I know it, it makes total sense. It was just weird in the beginning. It was the narrative was I can't believe like you know that nobody wants to hire Bill because he's old and used up. So how about the other Bill? How about the Bill O'Brien that used to be the offensive coordinator that now is the uh, offensive coordinator with Ohio State, but looks like he may be the head coach at BC. Have you been following that at all? I have, and I think what's interesting, there's a there's an interesting conversation there to have when you talk about the direction of this team and perhaps the fact that fans should and have a right to feel uncomfortable, even though I'm saying here, well, you know, what did you expect? I do have an understanding of why folks feel uncomfortable, and as it relates to Bill O'Brien, I think there's an individual who might be more like what we talked about with Bill. Maybe Bill O'Brien said, eh, you know what, man, I'm going to see what else is out there for me um, because this is, for Bill O'Brien, he was going to be part of a rebuild. Now, for a young guy, it might look enticing as hell, and we've talked to uh, Phil did different personnel people who look at this as a great opportunity because you get to build from the bottom up with all your control of deciding who you want. But if you are Bill O'Brien, you're like, <laughs> you mean now I'm going to run it back with Gerard is over me, and I've been a head coach. And now he's going to have some issues in terms of trying to understand exactly how he wants to do things. I'm going to sit here trying to run the offense with no good players. It sucked last year. We got the Mac thing going on. You know what? Maybe maybe I might see if there's other opportunities. So I would not be the least bit surprised if it was, you know, 60-40 Bill O'Brien or more. But I don't know that specifically. It was intimated to me that maybe Bill might want to be moving on. But I have not spoken to him to say definitively, he was like, I got to get out of here. But it kind of feels that way. Interesting stuff, as always, from our guy Tommy Curran. He'll be with Jones and Mego on Thursday at 3.30. Tommy, thanks, friend. We'll catch you next week. Miss you guys out here. All right. <laughs> I'm sure we're missed. <laughs>